Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. We'll get started. Thank you all for joining us and welcome to Artis's third quarter 2021 results webcast. My name is Heather Nickel. I am Vice President of Investor Relations at Artis. With me today is Artis's President and CEO, Samir Manji, CFO, Jacqueline Koenig, COO, Kim Riley, and Executive Vice President, U.S. Region, Phil Martins. In a few minutes, I'll be turning the floor over to Samir for opening remarks, after which there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please click on the raise hand button at the bottom of your screen. You'll then be placed in the queue, and when it's your turn, you'll be brought into the meeting to ask your question with audio only. Your camera will not be enabled. Our third quarter 2021 results were disseminated yesterday and are available on CEDAR and on Artis's website. Before we get started, please be reminded that today's discussion may include forward-looking statements. Such statements involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed or implied today. We have identified such factors in our public filings with the securities regulators and suggest that you refer to those filings. As we discuss our performance, please also keep in mind that all figures are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. I would also like to note that today's webcast is being recorded and a replay will be available on our website later this afternoon until Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. With that, I will turn the discussion over to Samir. Thank you, Heather. Good morning to those in the West and good afternoon to those of you in the East here from sunny, beautiful Winnipeg. Welcome and thank you for joining us for our third quarter 2021 results webcast as we've done in previous quarters and in being mindful of your time, I'm gonna keep my comments today brief before transitioning to our Q&A session. It's been a busy few months for us here at Artis. During the quarter, we closed the sale of 32 properties for $761 million in aggregate. This includes the sale of our GTA industrial portfolio which was a significant milestone in the implementation of our business transformation plan and which we feel demonstrates the significant value that exists within artists' diversified portfolio. The remainder of the assets sold during the quarter were considered to be non-core to the REIT and to our long-term strategy. We were able to achieve attractive cap rates on these dispositions by taking a measured and patient approach which we feel validates that there is continued demand for quality commercial real estate assets, despite the current pandemic environment that we still find ourselves in. These asset sales, along with the sales we completed since the announcement of our business transformation plan, have been calculated and integral in providing artists with the financial flexibility it has today to meaningfully reduce our debt to gross book value to 44%, and to increase our net asset value per unit to $17.45 at September 30th. 
They have also provided us with a healthy level of liquidity as we focus on our return of capital and value investing strategies, including our October 24th announcement related to our participation in the investor group to acquire Common R REIT. Before I move on, I should note that as mentioned last quarter, the sale of the GTA industrial portfolio will generate an increase to our taxable income for 2021. So we expect to make a special distribution to unit holders, which may be in the form of, or a combination of cash or common units. The special distribution will be declared later in the year and will be based on the amount that the REIT's taxable income is expected to exceed its regular annual distributions in 2021. In terms of our day-to-day -day operations, we continue to identify and improve operational efficiencies and are making strong progress in advancing our ESG program and in our commitment to creating an ESG-minded culture at Artis. This initiative is very important to our board of trustees and our management team, and we look forward to providing updates on this in the quarters to come and in our upcoming 2021 ESG report. To conclude, our business transformation plan has progressed nicely to date. We are pleased with what we've accomplished so far and are confident that if we continue to stay focused on our strategy with the same diligence and discipline our owners will be rewarded with net asset value per unit growth and long-term value creation in the quarters ahead. I will now turn it back to Heather to moderate our Q&A session. Thank you, Samir. Just as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please click the raise hand button at the bottom of your screen and you'll be placed in the queue and brought into the meeting when it's your turn. There will be a momentary delay while your audio is connecting and please remember to unmute your line at the appropriate time. Our first question is from Jonathan Coucher from TD Securities. Thanks. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, Jonathan. Um, first question, just on the, the Commonar deal, um, what, what percent will you guys own of the, um, of the JV with Candoral? Uh, thanks, Jonathan. We, at this point, are not going to be providing any further uh, color on the uh, details of the transaction. We will wait for the unit holder vote uh, slated for late December uh, for Commonars unit holders, and then uh, either uh, just before or post completion of the transaction, uh, subject, to, again, to a positive vote we'll be happy to provide uh, certainly more color and details, including answering the question you just asked. Suffice it to say, we've made a significant capital commitment and uh, we look forward to working with our partners in the consortium uh, following a successful vote and completion of the transaction. Okay, um, fair, fair enough, I guess. Um, so I, I guess this, then switching gears, the the special distribution you you talked about. I know the the amount's obviously not set yet, but can you maybe give us a a ballpark, uh, maybe a range of of what it might be? I can take that, Samir. I think um, just based on the 
information that we still have to put through in order to determine our taxable income, we're not in a position right now where we're able to kind of give a, a range on the special distribution. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm over two on questions so far. So I'll go, I'll go one more. Um, I guess just on, on operations and I guess this one's maybe for you, Phil, the, the U.S. same property NOI was, uh, was weak in the quarter. Can you maybe give us some, some color on that and then your, your near-term expectations for it? Hey, Jonathan. Yeah, the, the hard thing with uh, measuring by quarter is that you get a little snapshot, snapshot and yet what we're seeing generally was uh, this decrease in the NOI came from an asset in North Scottsdale, and that's temporary. We had two tenants in this particular asset. One went to another one of ours, the other one left, yet before they even left, we had re-signed the entire building. And so this particularly new tenant, which is a credit tenant, will be taking the entire building, but that's only until June of 2022. So we have that asset handled. Uh, another asset uh, is in Minneapolis, and I can't yet report, but uh, I would like to at least make a, a comment about the quality of our leasing team in Minneapolis, both office and industrial, as well as Madison office and Phoenix office. We've got a really great team, and I'm looking forward to sharing some good news uh, in the upcoming quarters on how some of those vacancies are being handled. Uh, suffice to say, despite the concerns of the pandemic, uh, and how it impacts our office users, we're seeing that some of the bigger users are coming off the sidelines and starting to make decisions. And we're quite pleased, I'm quite pleased right now on how our assets are, are performing in that environment. Okay, that, that is, uh, so, so timing related, I guess, on the Phoenix one and then, um, okay, that's, that's helpful thanks I'll uh, I'll turn it back Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc okay our next question is from matt logan from rbc capital markets thank you and good morning um, in terms of your investment in Colmenar, or at least the continuing entity, while you can't provide any details, could you maybe speak to the type of assets that are in the continuing portfolio and you know, some sort of general range on what sort of leverage the, the consortium plans to employ? 
we uh, are not going to comment on uh, financial uh, metrics at this point, uh, Matt, but again, uh, as I mentioned to John, we will be happy to provide more details post-transaction. Uh, as it relates to the portfolio, uh, as has been uh, disclosed, the industrial portfolio is being uh, forward sold. A portion of the office and retail have been committed uh, and that leaves us with uh, still a sizable portfolio of retail and office assets that are, in our view, a good quality assets that uh, we look forward to owning and stewarding uh, with our consortium partners. So would these be principally enclosed malls with some value add on the office side, or how should we be thinking about kind of the, the operating strategy for this entity? Well, if you uh, if one uh, knows the details of the common portfolio, uh, Matt, if you can just go on mute just while I'm answering. That'll be helpful, I think, uh, for sound purposes. Thank you. If you look at the overall portfolio of 310 assets, uh, it's already been noted that uh, the industrial has been forward sold, and that will reduce your asset base to. Uh, just south of 120, and then a portion of those 120 are being sold to Group Mock, and that leaves uh, still a sizable portfolio, which includes everything from a value-add uh, retail, uh, which could include uh, enclosed malls to office assets. It's a sizable portfolio, including the key portfolio at the back end of the transaction that um, includes a mix of assets. And on a go-forward basis, what sort of uh, percentage do you think private investments such as this could make up uh, perhaps as a percentage of your balance sheet? I think it's difficult to say at this point, Matt. It's uh, early days. Uh, we haven't even hit the one-year mark of uh, our business transformation plan announcement. And we feel uh, alongside our board of trustees we feel very good as a management team uh, with what we've been able to achieve to date from an implementation and execution standpoint. And the fact that we enjoy today the level of financial flexibility we have on our balance sheet will allow us on behalf of our owners, the unit holders to be opportunistic as we have been uh, with the Cominar uh, transaction to be able to pursue opportunities of varying degrees. Uh, we announced in our quarter uh, the development in uh, uh, Blaine, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, we were there a few weeks ago, uh, the entire um, uh, executive uh, with Phil. And um, it, you know, these, are, these are opportunities and initiatives that we are both excited about, uh, but also confident are going to uh, create and add significant value for our unit holders. And with respect to the the common R investment, is that a transaction that will result in fees paid to Sandpiper? And if so, what role did Sandpiper have in underwriting that investment? Uh, there are no fees that artists will be paying uh, to Sandpiper. Uh, the details of, again, the transaction, uh, artists' ownership position, Sandpiper's ownership position, we will be happy to provide those details on the other side of the transaction. And suffice it to say that uh, together, artists and Sandpiper will have a meaningful ownership position uh, in the new entity uh, that will own Cominar. 
and alongside that ownership uh, will have a meaningful role to play in the governance uh, of the uh, private entity, again, alongside our consortium partners at Candorel and Front Four. And last question for me, just on the disposition front, how should investors be thinking about the cadence of potential asset sales in Q4 and over the coming year? Uh, as we as we conveyed uh, in the last quarter call, uh, at this point, uh, we anticipate that uh, further dispositions in the near term, including Q4, will be uh, at a single asset level, opportunistic. Uh, there's no near-term intention to undertake a sizable portfolio disposition similar to what we did in the GTA with our industrial assets. Okay, I appreciate the commentary. Thank you very much. I'll turn it back. Thanks, Matt. Okay, our next question is from Samaya Syed from CIBC Capital Markets. Thanks, good morning. Um, not sure I'll get far, but just wanted to ask uh, about the Commoner transaction. Um, also to just get more color on your broader, I guess, investment uh, framework and philosophy, and if you can pinpoint where you see the biggest uh, value creation opportunity and um, any thoughts so far on, on returns and the hold period? Uh, thanks, Samaya, and uh, good afternoon. I think you prefaced your question appropriately. We're not gonna comment uh, at this point on uh, those sorts of details, but look forward to sharing some thoughts and context around uh, those specifics and others that have been raised by uh, your um, uh, colleagues in the analyst community uh, post-transaction. Okay, um, and then just to uh, switch over to your current portfolio and I guess on the remaining industrial, um, you do have some decent footprint in Winnipeg, Twin Cities and Houston. And just given the demand, um, what do you think are the prospects for selling more industrial and the timeline for that? Uh, again, uh, we were very pleased with the uh, progress we're making operationally uh, on both sides of the border across the portfolio uh, within each of our three asset classes. And Sumaya, you're right, our industrial in particular, as we know in the broader industry context is uh, where we're seeing the strongest demand and uh, commensurate uh, results operationally and financially. Uh, at this point, uh, again, there's there's no uh, near-term intention to do anything of a substantive nature on the M&A side uh, with respect to disposing of uh, industrial assets. Okay, and then can you give us an update on how the Calgary office sales are progressing? We've uh, we've been uh, at it for uh, a couple of months now uh, with respect to our five uh, remaining Calgary uh, office properties. And uh, while we've seen uh, interest, uh, this is a market and an asset class within that market more specifically that uh, we all know continues to face uh, significant headwinds. And uh, so we are uh, navigating that accordingly and anticipate that we should be able to have uh, some transactions under our belt in Q4 
uh, otherwise uh, that the balance will we uh, expect uh, complete in Q1 2022. And and how is the uh, pricing uh, measuring up against uh, your expectations of value? Again, you know, it's a it's a market that uh, has faced significant challenges. Uh, fortunately, you know, the, these five assets uh, represent uh, a very small proportion uh, of our overall asset base. In fact, less than two percent of our uh, IFRS uh, real estate uh, portfolio uh, is um, represented by these five properties. And so, whether we hit our our IFRS value uh, or not uh, will not move the needle in any significant way uh, when it comes to the uh, completion of these transactions. Okay, makes sense. Thank you. Thanks, Maya. Okay, the next question is from Mario Sarek from Scotia Capital. Hi, good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hi, Mario. Hi. I promise I will not ask a question on Cominar. Um, I, I wanted to uh, focus a bit more initially coming back to the office market and kind of, Philip, you kind of highlighted the, the transitional nature of some of the weakness there in the U.S. Uh, the occupancy in Canada also came down by a similar amount quarter over quarter. Can you maybe talk to uh, what you're seeing in the Canadian office market with respect to your portfolio and and when we can see those occupancy levels tick back up again. I can take that one, Mario. Um, so for the Canadian portfolio, it was really related to one property, similar to the US was just two, and in Canada, it was just one. So we saw a tenant vacate uh, in Q3 for one office building that we own in Edmonton. Uh, subsequent to that, we've been able to, uh, to release around 25% of it to occupy before the end of the year. So. I would say as we come through the summer and you know the the pandemic keeps dragging on activity is picking up but it is uh, it is slow and we're we're working hard to to lease the vacancy as best we can as indicated by um the leasing that we did in this property so continue to working market by market um picking up the leasing where we can and uh hopefully it'll pick up throughout the balance of the year as people get back to the office. We're starting to see activity pick up in Winnipeg in terms of um, occupancy in the space. So uh, we're optimistic that by uh, early 2022 activity will start to pick up and we'll start to, to see some of those vacancies improve. Okay. Uh, from a capital allocation perspective, what are your kind of higher level holistic thoughts on office uh, going forward coming out of the pandemic? Uh, coming out of work from home, uh, hopefully in 22, is that an asset class where you see yourself adding capital given valuations, or is it an asset class where you'd like to reduce exposure over time? Uh, thanks for the question, Mario. Uh, we uh, post our GTA industrial uh, portfolio sale, uh, did see as one can uh, do the math on an uptick in the representation office has uh, insofar as overall proportion of our GLA uh, within our roughly 20 million square feet of operating uh, assets. And uh, that is a ratio that uh, we would like to see be brought down to where we were uh, pre the GTA sale. 
and if not even a bit lower uh, relative to our industrial and our retail assets. And so uh, we certainly aren't gonna see that ratio grow uh, in the near term from a capital allocation standpoint, that's not our plan, uh, but uh, on the contrary, that we should see that uh, reduce over the next few quarters. Okay, and then just maybe an associated broader question with the GTA industrial portfolio, you showed a willingness to, to kind of sell uh, something that's in very strong demand, uh, achieving a very good price. Uh, the equity securities balance is inching up quarter over quarter, consistent with your business transformation plan. When you sit back uh, without giving away any of your secret sauce, maybe, uh, when you look at asset classes, where do you see the best, best risk-adjusted return uh, today from a value perspective? Well, Mario, I think we could ask you the same question uh, along with your contemporaries, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's not for today. Uh, we'll save that for an offline conversation. But uh, look, I think we all know that uh, industrial pure plays uh, as it relates to the public security side in particular uh, are seeing incredible momentum and very strong uh, tailwinds uh, as is multifamily right behind that. Uh, whereas the diversified and then other uh, pure play asset classes are not seeing that same level of um, momentum. And uh, hence, you know, that's generally speaking where one probably could um, uh, identify opportunities that could represent a meaningful uh, value plays uh, or investment opportunities. And then outside of that uh, public securities bucket, uh, I would say that uh, at least insofar as our own um, experience as a management team and a board at Artis, where we see uh, very compelling opportunities are in uh, the development uh, bucket. And again, particularly as it relates to industrial, uh, we have a strong team in the U.S. Uh, we were there uh, visiting multiple markets um, last month. And uh, in three of those markets, as you know, we've got sizable developments underway uh, in uh, Greater Minneapolis, in Houston, and in Scottsdale. And we will continue to evaluate uh, development opportunities, particularly as it relates to industrial uh, from a capital allocation standpoint. Uh, thank you for that. And yeah, you know, the question wasn't necessarily solely confined to the public markets, um, just more so in terms of asset classes, whether it's public or private, if there's, the, if there's anything that sticks out in terms of looking pretty good. And, and then maybe just as a follow up, uh, geographically, you can go anywhere and, and do anything. Uh, is there anything that sticks out geographically for the team that's more of a focus today than it was six months ago in terms of opportunities? Well, Quebec certainly is, uh, as you know, and um, we, uh, uh, beyond that, we're not looking to venture as it relates to our direct property investments and developments. We're not looking to venture into any new markets, but instead to harness the uh, boots on the ground uh, presence we have in existing markets. And, and again, uh, where opportunities surface that uh, our team has underwritten and uh, believes represents an attractive opportunity from a capital allocation standpoint, we will continue to present those to our investment committee and our board 
for consideration. Okay. My last question just comes back to operations uh, with the budgeting process, I'm sure, uh, well underway for 2022. Is there a target uh, organic same property and Y growth that you're looking to achieve within the existing portfolio for 22? I'll pass that over to Kim and Jackie. Sure, I can I can jump in first. So yeah, we are completing the uh, the 2022 budgets right now. We're kind of just getting through the end of that process. So uh, evaluating, and we'll probably have more to report um, by the end of next quarter. I don't know if Jackie has anything to add. No, I think that's a good representation of where we're at right now. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Mario. Okay, our next question is from Kyle Leeson. Hey guys, how's it going? Can everyone hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, Kyle. Um, thanks for taking my question. Um, so I, I uh, buy artists along with a number of other uh, retail investors. Now we've been following you, Samir, for, for quite some time. Um, we know pre-pandemic you, um, you know, were making certain purchases through Sandpiper and obviously we're consulting um, with Sandpiper on artists in, in a number of purchases on the public market. And you had mentioned that there were two companies in particular that haven't been declared. So we presume that um, those purchases haven't exceeded 10% of the total value of those companies. So I guess the question is, um, knowing that you just said you're trying to lower the, the ratio of office to the other uh, retail or sorry, other um, asset classes. Um, it, are you continuing to purchase those companies on the open market? We have one in mind that I won't, I won't say here, but you've been, you've had an interview in which you had said the, the NAV was considerably higher than it is trading it now. So we're wondering if, if purchases will exceed that 10% um, because you, you, you had said in the past that, you know, the, the idea is to close that gap to, uh, uh, to net asset value um, and knowing that these that there are a few companies out there that are still trading at a significant discount um, is that still the game plan um, will you guys exceed that 10% threshold are you willing to disclose that information or is that stuff that you're you're keeping pretty close to the chest thanks Kyle I'll uh, keep my comments limited to uh, what we are focusing on at artists uh, from a, a strategic standpoint as it relates to our public securities investing, uh, we uh, continue to evaluate opportunities uh, with our investment committee and our board and where we believe uh, it makes sense and represents an attractive uh, and compelling uh, 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 situation or opportunity for our unit holders. Again, uh, with the uh, support and approval and direction of our investment committee and board of trustees, we will look to allocate capital accordingly. Uh, it could be to own a uh, ownership position in an entity sub 10% and where we cross the 10%, we will disclose it accordingly at that time. There's no, uh, at this stage, clear position where we will or we will not uh, look at owning greater than 10%. It, it really will be case by case. And again, uh, in conjunction with the direction of our board of trustees. Thank you.
Okay, our next question is from Mike Marquitas from Desjardins. Hi there, thanks for taking my question. Um, I apologize if I missed this, but Samir, I, I think you mentioned earlier that your intention was to get your office exposure back down to where it was pre the uh, industrial sale. And I'm just curious if when you think about your asset um, allocation in that manner, are the investments in securities and subsequent, uh, I guess, ownership structures, if it gets to that point, viewed holistically in that light? Or are you simply referring to things where you have a direct asset ownership interest? Thanks, Mike. That's a very important question. The commentary that we provided earlier was related to the 100% owned GLA uh, within our portfolio. Uh, and uh, hopefully that uh, helps clarify. Yeah, that does. Thank you very much. There are no further questions at this time, so we will conclude today's webcast. If you have any further questions after the call, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or Samir. And thank you all for joining us. We wish you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.